0: So Money, episode 862, Chanel Richards, author of What Matters Most, the Get Your Shit Together Guide to wills, money, insurance, and life's what-ifs.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer,
0: happier life. Welcome to So Money.
1: Getting my shit together at first was a survival mode, kind of almost project managing myself out of the terrible situation. And it became really clear that it wasn't just me, that we're all so much more vulnerable than we realized. And You know, if I had a dollar for every friend or family member or stranger who said, oh, my God, I don't have my shit together, too. I could have honestly helicoptered myself over to see you for this meeting because, um, you know, it's a hard topic to talk about. And I have discovered over and over again that we're really relieved when we have the opportunity to talk about it Mm -hmm. and even do something about it because we think about this stuff all the time. Question for you question for all of us.
0: If your partner passed away today, suddenly would you have your shit together? Our guest today is Chanel Reynolds, and she learned this the hard way. On a completely normal day in July, 10 years ago, after what was a typical marital spat, Chanel kissed her husband goodbye, not knowing it would be the last time she'd get the chance. And what followed was a terrible bike accident, a week in the hospital, and her husband passing away far too young. It was her worst nightmare, not pleasant to talk about, but she's now ready to talk, Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Chanel Reynolds is the author of the new book, What Matters Most? The Get Your Shit Together Guide to Wills, Money, Insurance, and Life's What Ifs. After her husband passed away, Chanel realized she had no idea how to access any of their financial documents. She didn't know how to pay their mortgage. She didn't even have the password to his phone. And as she was in the middle of the worst moment of her life, she couldn't help but think that there must be others out there who were just as unprepared as she was. And she was right. She began writing about her experiences on her website called Get Your Shit Together. And what followed was tons of website visitors, mentions in the media, hundreds of stories from people who, a lot like her, were unprepared for life's most brutal moments. I'm so happy to have her here on the show today. She has a powerful story and an important message. Here's Chanel Reynolds. Chanel Reynolds, welcome to So Money.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Your book is going to change lives. I know it's <laughs> it's it's not something we like to think about, the the sort of what ifs of life and the, you know, the worst-case scenarios. Your book is called What Matters Most: The Get Your Shit Together Guide to Wills, Money, Insurance, and Life's What Ifs, and this is very much Born out of your personal experience, and it's just uh, the most frightening thing that could possibly happen to um, a family, to a mother. At the time, you um, um, had a five-year-old when your when your husband Jose ten years ago almost um, was hit by a truck uh, in a bike accident. You know, as I was reading this on your blog, I mean, I it really, it, it's very emotional. And I was trying to think about how to best prepare for this interview and what would be my first question to you. Um, and I And I kind of struggled with that because I wanted to ask you something that maybe someone hasn't ever asked you before or didn't come across as, I don't know, just not thoughtful enough, but And and the best thing I can think of right now is to ask you about how your life's work since has been in some ways a source of healing for you. That
1: is a great and unique question. So thank you for that. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I have to say that it has been nearly 10 years since my husband was hit and we spent a week in the ICU until I decided to remove medical support because that was really the only option left for us and the one I know he would have wanted. And um, you know, 10 years is a lifetime in a blank. Um, people will ask sometimes if it gets better. And if I had to only pick yes or no as an answer, I'd say yes. But what I really say is that it gets it gets different and getting my shit together literally were the words i said standing at the foot of my husband's hospital bed to my dear friend when i realized that i you know for a english speaking college educated legally married you know type a kind of bossy project manager there were a lot of things that i only half did or we had ignored or procrastinated and the the things that i that we had done, for example, we'd gotten some life insurance was really, really a lifesaver. And then the other things that we hadn't done, you know, like, for example, we had our wills drafted, but they were sitting in my inbox where they had been for months. That caused so much additional, unnecessary, what I'd call optional suffering to an already terrible situation You know, getting my shit together at first was a, you know, survival mode, kind of almost project managing myself out of the terrible situation. And it became really clear that it wasn't just me, that we're all so much more vulnerable than we realized. And, you know, if I had a dollar for every friend or family member or stranger who said, oh my God, I don't have my shit together too. I could have honestly helicoptered myself over to see you for this meeting because um, you know, it's a hard topic to talk about. And I have discovered over and over again that we're really relieved when we have the opportunity to talk about it Mm -hmm. and even do something about it because we think about this stuff all the time.
0: And so it sounds like the hardest part is in some ways just – Getting yourself to start the conversation, to embark on the work that needs to get done, because the work itself is not hard. I mean, you can hire people to write your will. You can go online now and do it. It's more just coming to terms with the why of this and knowing that this is something that you want have to do. But it's it's wanting to do it that sometimes um, can be the barrier.
1: Yeah, you know we do hard things all the time. I have to say, you know, anyone who's got kids or a demanding job or a health issue, or I don't know, like knows how to make a hollandaise sauce or build a back porch. <laughs> That's hard. Like we do. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Like a hollandaise sauce terrifies me, and building a back porch, I don't think anyone should give me those power tools. But you know, I've. I have figured out how to do hard things. We all have figured out how to do hard things. And I think that it's the, um, you know, almost, well, the shame we have that we haven't done it, first of all, then the overwhelm that we have, because it just feels like so much and we don't know where to start. Um, I, I try to think of it kind of the same way that we... You know, get our oil changed in our car or go to our annual exam. You know, if you can, you know, as a, you know, a middle aged woman, I hate to say that. But if I can manage to go get my mammogram and my boobs squished, not comfortably (laughs) every year or two like clockwork. You know, looking at your life insurance plan or writing down some usernames and passwords or updating your will is, frankly, much more pleasant of an experience. For you also, I know that when this happened
0: with your husband dying unexpectedly, you were left not knowing, you know, passwords and and getting access to certain financial accounts. and 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 I think in that moment, that's the last thing you want to be worried about. You want to be able to have, like, capacity to... Tend to your emotions, and if you've got to have to now deal with like gosh a username password to a mortgage website, that's just like, come on, that should not have to be on anyone's plate at that moment,
1: exactly, like opening mail was uh, an impossible task. I mean, I felt for a while like I was having a great day if I could. You know, put on pants and get my son to school on time with a packed lunch. Like we are, we don't have the capacity during really traumatic, highly stressful and grieving situations to handle, you know, like lots of very important decisions you have to handle and often answer quickly. So the money part for me was, you know, whether you have zero thousand dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars what you want to know is what your options are and you want to be able to have what i like to say some answers in advance so when i was at the hospital instead of worrying about you know if checks were bouncing or if accounts were working or how much money we had and if I had the passwords to all of the accounts, I wanted to be able to be in the room and focus on my family, have maybe a little more time and energy to read my son a story at night when I got home from the hospital. So, getting your money set up for you, um, we often talk about it as you know, making your money work for you, and killing it and retiring rich or having boats or whatever, which I'm certainly not saying that retiring rich and having a boat isn't great, but so much of what I found I hadn't focused on was how I needed my money to be um, organized and accessible, And and I was so much more vulnerable than I realized that basic things like having an emergency fund would have taken a huge amount of pressure off of me. So I would have more time to just not spaz out and freak out about mortgage payments. So understanding my, what my money was and what my choices was, whether I had a lot of options or only a few options, knowing where I stood and what you know kind of lifeboat I had to get in and how big and well stocked that was. I didn't have as much of that as I really would have wanted, you know, when the ground kind of got pulled out from underneath me. If you had to characterize
0: your financial life today, how would you describe it?
1: That's a great question. You know, I'd say that I I have a strong understanding of what would happen if something happened. So, I have uh, an emergency fund that is stocked up for Um, The six months or more that most people recommend you have. I actually have a what I like to call a backup emergency fund. And that's something I keep um, just because my parents are getting older. They live out of state. And should something happen, I would want to be able to get there and be there for a certain amount of time. So I have a little emergency savings fund set aside and a credit card that I keep with a very low balance, um, just for emergency plane trips. I, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we could talk forever about whether you should put money into your retirement or pay for college or put money into your emergency fund or pay down credit cards. There's a lot of ambiguity or maybe opaqueness when it comes to what the right thing to do is with your money. But for me, as a single parent with, fingers crossed, a number of working years still ahead of me, it's most important to me that I I feel like for my life and my priorities and for my family situation, I have my money set up in the way that works for my life. Um, And maybe not necessarily optimized hardcore for my retirement right now. But I feel very comfortable. Um, And in fact, you know, I like to say for somebody with a high tendency for catastrophic thinking, um, I sleep pretty well at night knowing I can't control everything that happens, but I know what happened next if something did happen. That was going to be
0: my follow-up question to you because I I can only imagine you have a heightened level of kind of risk averseness, you know, where <laughs> you're maybe you you, you don't have, you, you just mentioned like you have sort of these different buckets for savings that, you know, whereas the average person might only have a few months of savings, you have a lot more. Plus you've got savings for, you know, unexpected things like having to fly out to visit an ailing parent or a family member. Do you feel that sometimes you are overly cautious with your money and does it even matter because there's not no such thing as being overly cautious with your money?
1: I've thought a lot about how much my decisions about money now are are based in, you know, wise, solid planning versus a more of a, oh, shit, I hope nothing bad ever happens again. And one way I can feel a little more resolved in the decisions I'm making is I wasn't that great with money to start with, so there was some room for improvement for sure. Um, the other thing is... You know, I have an interesting, uh, I think, outlook now. Now that I not only know in kind of that Buddhist philosophical way that things can happen at any minute and it can all go away at any minute, I've really lived through the fact that anything can happen and it can all go away at any minute. Things can get amazing or they can get terrible. And so... um, I I do have this kind of leveler approach to, um, do, or do my money decisions line up with my priorities? Do my money decisions um, line up with my values? Is there anything that I'm doing with my money that I wouldn't feel comfortable saying at a dinner party or to my son? You know, like, I love fry boots, and I, you know, <laughs> I, have a, I, have a, I have a fry boot problem, perhaps. But, you know, I... I have always been kind of impulsive and now I can allow myself to be impulsive and not feel bad about it because I have a plan. <laughs> you know, your money is a
0: reflection of of what you care about, what where you want to go. And by the way, where do you want to go? Where wh- what is your sort of like vision for the future because your life has really changed, your career has really changed. Um, over the last ten years and and kind of where do you hope to be like five years from now? do you want to continue this path of change of helping people, inspiring people in this space, or do you want to expand what it means to get your you know your shit together
1: yeah i um i I really enjoyed writing the book, and it was um a long process, but at the end it i'm I'm really happy to hold it in my hand and say, this is the book that I wanted to write. And, and since then, I've realized that I kind of, I got my shit together and learned what I needed to do and some of the basics that everybody should probably do uh, to be less vulnerable and more organized and just, you know, better prepared if something, if or when I like to say something happens But I I realized that I was kind of uh, project managing what I didn't do right in reverse. And then once I got to the point where my life was pretty well, you know, well, well, I got to the point where my life was no longer in, you know, crisis and I stabilized things. And then I realized that the, all of the ideas that I had about the, the future that I wanted to set up, now I had to rethink those. I was a single parent, and so I have a lot more life insurance. You know, my end-of-life plans are a lot more specific because I think about my son um, not having any living parents. And um, one of the things I realized is that not only do we need to get our shit together now, you know, me being the sandwich generation – with a kid and trying to figure out my own money situation and thinking about aging and retiring parents. The fact is we, we kind of suck at death in this country and I'd really, you know, I'm working on a next book, which is really a lot more about the, how to have the conversations with your parents and how to really plan for, um, an awesome, amazing, you know, Final chapter or chapters of your life and and how to have those conversations in reverse, because now that i've got myself organized, I need to make sure that my parents are organized. Um, you know the other thing I found that the the website, when it first launched a handful of years ago, um, took off it surprisingly fast, and I went from launching the website on a Monday to that weekend having millions of people come to the site and having heard about the, the project and you know the very simple two-page checklist that I put together for here's some basic stuff you need to do, like wills and your end-of-life plans and get your passwords written down and think about what's important to you. So it became clear to me that, first of all, it's not just my story, it's everybody's story. We all... Mm-hmm have one or will someday. And I think we're really, you know, as people who are plugged in and busy and, you know, we're all so interested and desperate in a lot of ways to have real human interactions. You know, money is just math, but really money is about feelings and money is about who we are and who we think we are and what's important to us. So, you know, I, I, believe that continuing this work is an important thing to do now that it's not out of a traumatic response but out of a you know i i enjoy talking to people and helping people and i think there's a lot more work to be done in fact it's it's interesting how you know as as women as you know educated people as curious learners you know, I know a lot more about my gluten intolerance level and where my G spot is than I do about my interest rates and you know where my passwords are. And so we're highly, highly um, functionalized in these ways that are you know maybe a little more immediate or a little more pleasing or a little less charged. But I really believe, and I really think that the more we get this. End of life stuff, or um, kind of a 360 or comprehensive view of what our plans really are. Um, it's, it feels like one of the most equalizing and self directed and feminist and equalitarian things that I, I could be doing with my time um, and my money. Speaking of your
0: checklist, I want to refer people to that. It's a getyourshittogether.org forward slash checklist. Millions of people have benefited from this. And you're very kind in that you don't make us like give us your, give us, give you our email (laughs) to get this. You're just, you've got it all out there. And so this checklist, it covers things like the before checklist, which is, you know, make sure you've got the will, the power of attorney, your living will insurance. And there's along the way some fill in the blanks, which are really helpful. And I wanted to turn the tables on you, um, Chanel. You have also a getting started portion of this checklist where you say pick three things. And I want to ask you now w- to answer your own questions. Um, so one is what worries me most? The other is this has been on my list the longest. And the third is I'll be relieved once it's done. So what yeah. is worrying you
1: you the most right now? Great question. Well, I'm going on book tour. So what worries me most at this moment is getting my childcare situation figured out. Um, I also think that um, – my, my retirement plans, like where and how I want to be living as I'm older. Um, would it be in a community of people? Would it be getting some land? So not only am I thinking about what my end of life plans are, what, um, what I want to be thinking more proactively about is what does, what does that look like for me as I get older? Um, and I, I haven't gotten as specific about that as I think I could have. And what is the exercise for that? I mean, I think it's really hard
0: to imagine yourself down the road. I know that there are even like retirement calculators that will do age rendering photos of you just so that you can get a little closer <laughs> to who that promised person is. Um, Any thoughts on and on, on like what you hope to do
1: to get there? Yeah, well, I, I like to think about my retirement plan not as, you know, this uh, terrible thing. That I have to do, and you know, I I try not to think about it as a percentage that needs to go to a place, and I should be getting this amount of return. What I like to think about it is a vacation. You find that people. Uh, there's interesting research about vacations and what makes people happiest about a vacation. And often it's not when you're on it or when you're back. It's the planning of the vacations. So I like to think about it mentally and emotionally as what do I want like the biggest, coolest life vacation to look like? The other thing that I think about, and you know, this is a little bit of a buzzkill, but when it comes down to doing the math and thinking about what you really want, women often live a lot longer with than men and women are much more likely to be living in poverty as they get older because of the wage gap and the caregiver expectations and responsibilities often fall on women, um, the retirement gap. And so one of the things that I like to think about is aspirational, and then also just really, really practical. So chances are good that most women women will be living independently, their partner or spouse is, you know, often likely to die before them. and. Planning for a retirement means planning a lot longer than we might have initially planned for. So, you know, many people need to plan for 30 years of what kind of awesome they want to be living rather than, you know, perhaps the 10 or 15. What
0: kind of awesome do I want to live in? <laughs> you're right, though, too, about the anticipation of a vacation is often, um, the, 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 coolest part. Uh, and I, I read those studies too, or even if you're just going to a concert, like waiting in line for the concert, it, although that's not super fun, but it's like the build up is really like where our brains really, um, there's a lot of sort of memory that's generated around that, those experiences.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, maybe it's the anticipate anticipation or the or the visualization of being on that mountain or reading that book on the beach or or you know, building a house somewhere, whatever you think that that is going to be for you. So, it's kind of nice to have that same luxury of visualizing, you know, when when you're older and perhaps grayer. Mm-hmm. Um what you know where do you imagine yourself and i kind of like to think of myself as that very very old very wrinkly woman on the beach with a too small bikini that frightens children like that kind of is one of my one of my success goals so just you know having the opportunity to be happy and healthy and mobile number 1 mm-hmm. and you know have have options available to me whether they are Practical or luxurious? I think that um, we all want to feel a sense of agency and and joy in our lives. All right, sticking with your
0: own checklist here. The, here, f- fill in this blank. This has been on my list the longest.
1: Okay, so I have to admit this. Um, and you know, since it's just you and I talking right now, and yeah, no one else um, is listening, nobody else is listening. Um, there is one. Uh, retirement account that still has my late husband, Jose's name on it. And that's been on my list for a really long time. And it's, it's very interesting that I have the documentation that I need to do the final thing to get uh, his name removed which you know is easy enough to do and on the one hand it will be a relief to be done and then on the other hand it's very interesting how I have just not done it so it's certainly not a critical thing but it's something that um, perhaps on the 10 year anniversary of his death which will be this summer I'll 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 let him finally. Uh, no longer have to get those quarterly statements wherever he is. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I know, I know. It's 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 very subconscious sometimes. You know the things that we do and don't do. Um, part of the the exercise is just sort of like just calling yourself out. You know,
1: and and for it is it is what it is. It is what it is. And unless we're, I mean, you know, the honesty piece um, is big, right? So I spent a lot of time thinking about why didn't I do all this stuff? You know, why doesn't half of America have their wills done? Why do almost all of us say that we want to die at home, but only, you know, but seven out of 10 haven't written their end of life plans down. So... It's easy to, you know, it was easy for me to wonder why and wonder why and wonder why. And sometimes if I just get curious instead, like, huh, isn't it interesting that those are the things that are always on my list and I never get them done? Um, so it, it's, you know, interesting and curious that his name is still on it. And it'll be interesting and curious to, you know, see how it feels when it's not. And thirdly, on your list, this
0: is what I would be relieved to have done. That's a good one. There's like
1: about forty thousand things first <laughs> come to mind um, One of the things is you know preparing for college for my you know son or thinking about him preparing to go to college. um I have a a college fund started for him, and What I will be relieved to have done is to sit down with him and really talk through, you know, what his choices are, what college means. And if he does or doesn't want to take a gap year, you know, he's just early into high school, but these next couple of years are going to be a big important time for him and financially a big important time for me. You know, you can make a choice to, um, Go hundreds of thousands of dollars into debt for college, um, or you can make a choice to take a really different route and and um and not make those choices or go to a community college and then transfer later to a more affordable college so financially and uh and emotionally, the thing i'll be relieved to have done is is to start having those conversations with him and And start um talking to him really honestly about you know what the financial implications are. Um, not only do I want him to manage money well, you know on a week by week basis, but those are some of the biggest decisions he might be making in his life. and so I'll be really relieved when when um he and I can have that discussion and he can start thinking about it you know with a uh with a sense for what's important for him and what matters most for him. Setting himself up for the rest of of his adult life. What
0: is your advice for parents to help their children, especially small children, cope with a loss of a parent? My best friend lost her husband recently, um, and she has a a, a five year old and a and a almost three year old, uh, and um, it's very difficult and I don't know how she does it. She's incredible. Um, but I know it's very difficult for her and, and I just want to know what is the, what is the secret? Because it's just unfathomable, you know, to, to think of yourself in that situation, having to manage your own kind of grieving and then also to be, uh, to be strong for your, for your children. What, um, looking back was and is still helpful to you and your son?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you one thing I did really wrong and one thing that I think I did right. Um, one of the things that, um, that worried me so much was that my son would feel like, you know, his mother wasn't going to be able to take care of him because I was so sad and emotionally distraught and just kind of all over the place for a while. So I think I overcompensated by, um, by not showing him how emotional I was all the times that I was emotional. And in fact, a few years after his father died, he said to me once, how come you don't cry more about Papa? And I realized that I, I may have overcompensated in in trying to be strong and available in parenting him. And that what he also needed for me was for me to be able to, to show him my feelings and, and talk about my feelings too. that maybe if I had allowed myself to be more visibly sad, that he may have felt more comfortable showing me his feelings too. Uh, Because he was five when he died and my stepdaughter was in middle school. And so they're at really different times developmentally. But the advice that I got from somebody, uh, a social worker who works with trauma and children was tell the truth, not too much. It was really, really, really important for years and years and years after Jose died that the kids felt like we had been honest with them. And both of them had an experience where somebody had said, you know, oh, you know, don't worry, everything is going to be okay, which is what we all want to say. And this kind of panic talk thing that many of us do But nobody knew that everything was going to be okay, and the kids believed them or wanted to believe them. And so, when everything wasn't okay, they internalized that as people lying to them, and that was that was something they carried around for a while. So, be honest um, at the level of uh, understanding that the kids are at. When my son was five, I didn't say your father passed on, because that's really confusing. I said, your papa's body died. And when someone's body dies, it means that they can't come back. And his response was, so does that mean he's going to be dead all year? And I said, yeah, sweetie, but not just all year, because when someone's body dies, it means they'll never be able to come back. So as brutal as that was, he really, really wanted, he wanted to know. And I think knowing the truth and having the truth and not, I was, I did not over elaborate unless he asked questions. And when he seemed to be done with the conversation, you know, a kid will often say, what's for lunch, or can we go to the Lego store now? And then you say, sure. Sure let's have lunch and go to the Lego store. And then you drop it. um, Because kids, kids will often take in information and, and, you know, maybe more bite sized pieces rather than wanting to sit down and have a two hour long conversation the way, you know, adults might be more comfortable.
0: That does sound like a five year old pivoting to (laughs) to Legos and uh, pizza. When yeah, just about to have a serious conversation.
1: Yeah, you're like, okay, so what cremation is, is when they – and he's like, can we – where's the Millennium Falcon? And I'm like, oh, God, okay. So that's what we're doing now. Okay. <laughs> well,
0: I'll have you know I've been crying as you've been describing this, but now I'm laughing. I think that is your true gift in life. Uh, Chanel is the ability to – um is to draw people in on, on topics that are very, very difficult, but in a way that makes them feel good and inspired and mobilized and energized. And I am so glad that I got to connect with you. I'm going to be sharing this with everybody, in particular, my best friend. Um, and I look forward to your book becoming a New York Times bestseller.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was wonderful to talk to you.
0: You can learn more about Chanel at gyst.com. If you missed any of this, just head over to somoneypodcast.com. We have the audio, the transcript. If you have a question for me for the Friday episodes, click on Ask Farnoosh and you can either leave an audio voicemail or type in your question and I will add it to the queue for a Friday Ask Farnoosh episode. Thanks for tuning in everybody and I hope your day is So money.